Thanks for listening to the Wellspring Church Podcast. Pray with me. Father, we are so grateful and so thankful. Mm. that you love us. We are so unworthy of the attention you show us and the grace you give us and the mercy you provide us. We're thankful. We're grateful. May we receive your love, may we never take it for granted, Father, and may we be a people that do everything we can to make sure your love doesn't stop with us, to make sure we give it, Father, as freely as we receive it. Thank you for your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, good morning. Honored, honored you're here. If you're a guest today, uh, my name's Trey Kelly. I'm the lead pastor here and really, really appreciate you joining us either in the room or online. Uh, today we're wrapping up a series. Um, we do it every year. It's one of my favorite series we do, and it's called Love MB. Um, and uh, if you've missed uh, any of our series, I'm going I'm to kind of catch you up on what it is. Uh, but if you've been here all of this series, you've been here previous series, uh, you've heard us talk about this before. I've been saying this um, every, every week of the series. Um, You're going to hear some of the same stories. You're going to hear some of the same passages. You're going to hear some of the same language that you've heard before, and we do that on purpose. Um, It's because we want to have a shared language around this. Um, I've been using this illustration. It's the same reason when you gather as a family, um, and maybe you have a new friend or a new new boyfriend or a new spouse, and you always say, hey, 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 tell that story. And you retell the same story over and over and over again. And if they don't tell it right, you stick up and you say, no, 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 that's not how we tell that story. See, you're the, you're the keeper of the stories, I can tell. And love and be is a part of our family. It's a part of, of what it means to be a part of Wellspring. And so if, if you're a guest today, if it's your very first time with us, man, thanks for being here. Um, you know, we really, we designed our, our, our church with you in mind, especially if you're new to faith or kind of checking out faith for the first time. And we want you to know uh, this is a safe place to ask your questions, uh, to kick the tires of faith, because what we've discovered is Jesus is, is worth it. Um, he, 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 <laughs> He actually underpromises and overdelivers when you actually understand who he is and, and what he's done. Um, and hopefully, uh, you will find yourself wanting to become a part of, of our family and what we do here. And so we want you to understand um, what love in me is and why it's so important to us. So very quickly, let me kind of catch you up. If, if, if you are new, and if not, uh, you know, just roll with this for a second. What is love in me? The long answer, it's our initiative to resource nonprofits in our community that are making Ori County a better place. Put a little simpler, Love and Be is our attempt at changing the world. Um, and we do that, um, as we said, we partner with great nonprofits here in Ori County that are making a difference. Um, in fact, we've actually started partnering with some nonprofits around the world um, because we've kind of discovered that there are other churches in other communities that love their community as much as we love Myrtle Beach. And so we're partnering with them as well. 
uh, basically because of, because of your generosity. So we find these organizations um, that are already making a difference, already doing a great job in our community, doing things that the church cares about, but actually doing it better than the church could do it because they're experts in the field and they have training and they have expertise. So we find these great organizations, we ask them a simple question. Hey, how can we help? And if you've been here for a couple of weeks, you know what the answers always are. They need money and volunteers. That's what all nonprofits will always need. So for us, mechanically speaking, how do we actually do this? What is Love and Be? Well, we do a couple of things every year. Uh, the first thing we do is, is we give. Today, we're actually going to take our Love and Be offering. This is a yearly offering. We take it once a year. And here's the cool thing about this offering. 100% of the proceeds that come in to Love and Be go out the door to support Love and Be. We don't keep any. It doesn't stay at the church. It goes out the door to these organizations. Week one, we talked about how we do that. These organizations submit grant proposals. And basically, once we see how much, how much well, the amount of funds we have, uh, we go through the grant proposals. They're ranked, and we basically get to allocate your generous funds um, to, see, to see Myrtle Beach transformed. Uh, last year, you guys gave over uh, $94,000, and to date, we've been able to give away over half a million dollars to our organizations uh, because of your generosity. And so, so that's one part uh, of, of loving me. Like I said, we're going to take that offering uh, today. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in a moment, but also we serve these people need volunteers. And so many of you participate. That's why you have your T-shirts on. You've been a part of our Love MB projects. We've done Love Weeks, Love Weekends. We've got one coming up uh, in a few weeks. But it's just basically a way for us to go to these organizations and say, hey, what do you need? How can we help? And we do this, as we've been saying, for our entire series because we believe it is the best way to love our community. Uh, to help people, as we learned last week, that Jesus asks us to help. We talked about this uh, for the entire series. The reason we spend three weeks every year talking about this, the reason this is part of our DNA is because of something we, we've been discussing. If you're new to our church, if you're new this week, I want to make very clear that we understand this. It's because we have a two, two understandings. We know that beliefs change us. Here's what that means. That means I'm a Christian because of my beliefs. I'm a Christian because of my faith. I'm a Christian because I chose to put my faith in Jesus. I'm not a Christian because I act like a Christian. I'm not a Christian because I perform like a Christian. I'm not a Christian because I did enough good things today that God's happy with me. My eternity is secured with Jesus because I believe in Jesus. I believe he lived a perfect, sinless life. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he came back to life as proof that I could too. And I believe when I follow him, it produces the best results in my life. Beliefs, faith, that's what makes us Christians. That is what saves us. I'll try to be very clear for three weeks about this. Beliefs change us. But behaviors change the world. It is when we behave in line with how we believe that other people notice. And I've been saying this the entire series. Yes, beliefs change us. The reason we believed in Jesus is because someone in our life behaved like Jesus. That's why. Could have been a brother, a sister, parent, cousin, roommate, neighbor. Someone behaved like Jesus. And it made you want to pay attention. It made you want to investigate. And it was their behaviors that changed your beliefs. And so we believe that Jesus wants us to serve 
our community. And so we, when we behave in a way that is in line with those beliefs, we believe Jesus will move through us to change the world. If you were here last week, we talked about that we know this works. The early church put this into action. And here we are almost 2,000 years later, and we're still talking about them. And today, as I said, today is the opportunity for us to come together as a church and to be generous, to give towards loving our community for the next 12 months. And so as we've done typically in this series, today I wanted to talk a little bit about this offering, specifically about the type of offering that it is. We call this a generous offering. At our church, we kind of talk about three pockets of giving. Maybe you're, maybe you're familiar with that concept. Um, we have the obedient pocket. You know, I personally believe that, that God gives us everything, and he asks us to return back to him a portion of it to keep our heart uh, tied to him. That's my belief. Um, so I believe we have an obedient offering. I, I obediently return back to God a portion of what I believe is his um, monthly uh, through Wellspring. So we have obedient giving. We have generous giving, which is when there's a need, something's going on and people are struggling. And so when we have more than we need and they have less than they need, we can be generous because we have more than we need to bless them. That's what this offering is today. We have this is a generous offering. And then occasionally from time to time, I believe God calls on his people to give sacrificially. Um, some of you were around when we used to meet in the YMCA. And then God opened the doors for us to move into this building. And at that time, we entered a three-year sacrificial giving journey so that we could rent this space and finish it out. And that sacrifice paid the dividends for many of you to come through these doors, for your children to have great environments, and for many of you to give your lives to Jesus. So today we're talking about generosity. The love and be offering is a generous Offering. And lots of times people want to talk about the cost of generosity. Trust me, I get it. There's a cost to generosity. But if you've been around our church for a long time, you know we also talk about the benefits of generosity because the reality is that generosity is in fact beneficial. And I can see some of you going, How's it beneficial? Wait, wait, wait. And you know, I can give you studies because the They've done studies on this um, scientifically. They, they've studied it, and when people uh, are generous, when people give things away, different parts of our brain fire, and serotonin is released, and it actually makes us happier. Like, it's a scientific fact. It's proven. But to me, that just means God, in his infinite love and wisdom for us when he was creating us, wired us so that when we obeyed him, we'd feel it. Because our God is actually the one who encourages us to be generous. And it makes sense that he would encourage us to be generous and then wire our bodies to benefit from obeying his commands. Everything he's ever commanded us is for our good. It's to help us. It's to protect us. It's to keep us safe. It's to give us a better life. So what I just briefly wanted to do today is just inform some of us and remind others of some of the benefits of generosity. Like why does it matter 
specifically for those of us who consider ourselves Christians, why is it vital to us that we practice generosity? Well, to answer the question, I want to take you to two, two passages. Uh, first to Jesus, and then we're going to go to Paul. Because for those of you who aren't familiar with Paul, Paul wrote about half of what we call the New Testament. Paul was probably the greatest missionary that Christian church has ever ever known. He took the message of Jesus and he basically traveled around uh, the, the Roman Empire, the known world at the time, and led people to Jesus. And then he would write letters to the churches that he started, and sometimes letters to churches he didn't even start, because people had questions about how to follow Jesus. And so one of the things Paul does is he takes Jesus's teachings and he expands on them. And he's like, hey, Jesus said this. This is what that practically looks like in your day-to-day life. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at Jesus kind of setting the standard for generosity. And then we're going to move to Paul. And Paul's going to explain why this matters so much. And then we're going to hear a story about one of our partners. And then we're going to have an opportunity to be generous. So if you have your Bibles, you can start with me in Matthew chapter 6, where we're going to be. This is right in the middle of one of Jesus' most famous sermons. It's called the Sermon on the Mount which is essentially a sermon about behaviors. Jesus basically unleashes this new ethic on the world and says, this is what's going to characterize my followers. This is how my followers are going to behave because they believe in me. Because Jesus understood that beliefs change us, but behaviors change the world. So the Sermon on Mount dealt a lot with behaviors in his name. And near, near the end of chapter 6, He touches on generosity. He touches on money. And here's what he says. To his followers, he says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Now, the key to this whole thing is that concept of store treasures. Another way to think about that is investment. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, 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 don't make all your investments solely here on earth. Make sure you are also investing in the things of heaven. And what you could really say is he says, and when those two things collide, when you have an opportunity to invest solely in yourself, to invest only in the things of this earth, to invest there, or you have an opportunity to invest in heaven, you have an an opportunity to invest in eternity, you have an opportunity to invest in the things of God. He's saying, hey, invest in the things of God. And then he explains why. Jesus says, you do this because wherever your treasure is, wherever your investment is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Now, again, you know this is true. You've probably just never thought about it this way, but we all inherently understand what Jesus is saying. He's saying that attention follows investment. For any of you who play the stock market, Any of you who invest in in stocks or bonds or anything, you know this is true because you studied, you studied, and you maybe checked on this company once a month, maybe once a week, and then you bought some stock in the company. You invested in that company, and magically, you started following that company every day, maybe hourly. You set up Google alerts. 
because you want to know what's going on with that company. Why? Because Jesus says, attention follows investment. Wherever you invest the most heavily, that is where your heart is going to go. And there's nothing wrong with this. He's not even judging you for it. Parents, you know this is true. You do this. It's why whenever you film your sweet child's dance recital, no one else wants to watch it. No other parents have ever asked a parent for a copy of the recital because the only person in your video is your child. You maybe did the cursory pan one time and then you zoomed in and no one judges you for it. That is your investment. Time, energy, money, so much money, so much money. Like, honestly, have you ever stopped and thought about how much money? Oh, so much money. <clears throat> so much money. <clears throat> like, you could buy a boat. I got three kids, three boats. Anyway, moving on. Attention. Attention, heart, follows investment. So that's why Jesus says, hey, 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 hey. When you're investing the resources you have, when you're investing, when you're preparing for the future, hey, 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 make sure that you're investing in the things of heaven. Make sure you're investing in eternity. Because wherever you invest, that's where your attention is going to go. And see, that attention is what Jesus actually cares about. It's our heart. It's our focus. And see, he knows that the primary competitor for our focus on this earth is money. And he's saying, hey, hey, hey I got an idea. I know this is true. You may know this is true, but trust me, I'm God, you're not. With that chief competitor, just make sure you're investing in the things of me. In other words, make sure you ask me how and when and where to invest. And you're like, well, Jesus, I haven't really seen your returns over the last decade. So why, oh why, should I get your investment advice? Why should I ask you how I should spend my money? How I should spend my resources? Why can't I just do both, Jesus? Why can't I just spend however I want and still love and serve you? I'm gonna give you everything else but I worked hard for that money. I made that money. That's my money. And quite frankly, Jesus, I'm gonna spend it however I want. I get it. I get it. And here's the thing. I'm not gonna try to change your mind because I can't. That's above my pay grade. But I do want you to see what Jesus says. 
about that approach. A few verses later, he comes back to money and he says, no one can serve two masters. For you'll hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot, cannot, cannot serve both God and money. Not my words. Jesus' words. Why does he want us to make a choice about where we invest? Why does he want to point out that attention follows investment? Because he knows we can't serve both. If we make money, our money, the number one priority in our lives, and no one ever says money is the priority, security is the priority, safety is the priority, providing is the, is the priority, being successful is the priority. And none of those are bad things, by the way. Jesus actually wants all those things for you. But he says, hey, 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 if you're my follower, I'm just gonna invite you to make a choice. The things you have, the resources you have, you get to choose. You invest them how you want, or you can invite me in and invest them how I want. You can put me first, even in the area of finances. We can choose if we're going to serve God or we're going to serve money. And his words, not mine, is that we can't serve both. And so when we ask the question, okay, why is generosity beneficial? Here's my first answer. That's what Jesus says. is because generosity protects our heart. Because Jesus just said you can't serve both. You can't serve both God and money. So if you have a generous heart, if I have a generous heart, if we have a heart that says, hey, God, man, I want to invest in your kingdom. I want to invest in the things of you. I want to store treasures in heaven. If that is our heart and he has first place in our lives, in our heart, in our money, guess what? We never have to worry about falling in love with money. Whew, I don't have time to preach about this today, but we all know people because it's easier to see this in other people than ourselves because it's all true about us too, but we'll talk about other people because they're not here. <laughs> we all know other people who have fallen in love with money, right? And what happened? They fell into a trap. Again, that never happened to us, but other people. In fact, we should tell them how beneficial generosity is. No, it's beneficial to us. Because it protects our heart from ever falling prey to trusting in money. And I know what some of you are thinking, why? But why can't I trust in my money? And to answer that question, I want to take you to Paul. Because as he often does, he takes what Jesus says and he unfolds it a little more for us. And I love this passage because it's found in, in the book of 2 Corinthians. And Paul's actually writing to the Corinthian church about a generous offering they're about to give. He's taking up a collection for the church in Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem is struggling. Three things happened at the same time. A famine hit the area. The Roman government decided to raise taxes. And because there was a famine and taxes were raised, unemployment was through the roof. 
three things at once. And so the church in Jerusalem, the people in Jerusalem are struggling. And so Paul is just traveling around. He's like, hey, we're going to take up an offering. I'm going to take it to my brothers and sisters in Jerusalem, and we're going to help them out. And he had talked to the Corinthians about it, and he's about to come, and he writes them this letter because they've wondered, well, how generous should we be? How much should we give? What should we do? And so Paul answers their question, and he answers it first by, by using a metaphor that was much more re- uh, pre- prevalent and relevant 2,000 years ago, but I think we can, all, we can all get it. He says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Again, not sure how many of you are farmers, but I think we can all understand the metaphor. If you uh, pl- plow a field and you plant one row of crops, you're going to get one row of harvest. If you plant 10 rows of crops, you're going to get 10 rows of harvest. It's not that complicated. Right? We all together? Give me a nod. We all understand what Paul's saying. Because they got that. He's saying it's completely up to you. And here's why he says it. He says, because you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in in response to pressure. Can I get an amen? Don't give in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Don't raise your hand. How many of you have used that as an out for decades? Well, I ain't cheerful about it. (laughs) Have you ever wondered, honestly, honestly, let's be real for a second, because I know what you're thinking. You ever wondered, come on, man, who gives cheerfully? Like, Like cheerfully? I mean, if I give not begrudgingly, that's about as good as I can do. Who actually, who gives cheerfully? You know who gives cheerfully? Every single one of you. Every single person online, myself included, we all give cheerfully. When? When we're giving a gift to someone we love. I am the world's worst because I get so excited when I buy someone a gift. I've never waited in human history until their birthday or Christmas. I can't do it. Because the second I get that gift for them, I am so cheerful. I am so excited. to. I can't wait to see the look on their face. And I can't wait for them to use it. And there's nothing begrudging about it. I am so excited to give that gift. And every single one of you has felt the same way. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, yeah, bro, but that's because I'm giving it to somebody I love. Yeah. And now you're getting somewhere. Because what Jesus was saying, make sure you invest in the things of heaven. Make sure you guard your heart. Attention follows investment. What Paul is saying is, hey, God loves a cheerful giver. And you're like, yeah, but I'm only cheerful when I give to people I love. And God would say, yeah, but every gift you give is to someone I love. And if you follow me, I believe it says this multiple places, you're invited to love the people I love. I want to say, yeah, Jesus, but, but, but it's expensive to love the people you love. Because you love a lot of people. I ain't got that much money. Now I want you to see what Paul says. 
before I read it, I want to apologize in advance for people in my position who have twisted what he's about to say. But I equally don't want to shortchange you from seeing what he's about to say. Because we serve a God who raises the dead. He makes promises. And he makes a promise about a heart that is generous in his name. Here's what he says. He says, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. In other words, what Paul is saying is, hey, 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 you, you decide in your heart how generous you want to be. And then you trust your heavenly father to provide the resources required to be generous. Let me show you how he ends it. He says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat in the same way he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you, in me. Please hear me as loud as I can be. If you give $10, you will not make $100. That is not how this works. That is not the promise. The promise is resources. The resources may be monetary. The resources might be more satisfaction and more contentment in your life. The resources might be more love and more hope and more peace. I don't know what the resources will be, but our Heavenly Father says, hey, when you're generous in my name, you can trust me. Why? Because you can't serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other. And when we give our Heavenly Father control of our resources and say, I want to be generous in your name, he says, that's a heart that's mine. That's a heart I don't have to worry about them straying so I can bless them. In fact, I can overwhelm them with goodness. Because their heart belongs to me. So generosity is beneficial. How? Not only does it protect our heart. Paul says it. It produces more resources. I don't know how it works, and I'm not promising you'll get rich. Please don't hear me say that. I don't understand it. Again, it's above my pay grade. I don't understand how he raised Jesus from the dead, but I believe he did it. And I know this is true because I've lived it. Jesus takes care of people who wholly devote their lives to him. And so generosity unlocks our heart and it frees us to receive what Jesus wants us to receive. It's why we've been around our church for a long time. One of our core values is that we get to give. We say this almost weekly. We don't have to give. We get to give. Because everything we have in our life is a gift from our Heavenly Father. The only reason we can give, the only reason we can serve, the only reason we can love, the only reason we can forgive, the only reason that, that we can help other people is because God first did that for us. So we believe that we get to give. That we get to be obedient, we get to be generous, and occasionally we get to be sacrificial. Because it grows our faith. And it opens our heart for more of the resources we need to live the life Jesus has called us to live.
So back to generosity. It protects our heart. It produces more resources. But there's one more thing real quick I just want, I want to point out because we miss this. Because a lot of times we make generosity about us and what it's going to cost and what we might have to sacrifice and what we don't get. So I want you to see what generosity gives. See, protects us, produces more resources, and generosity provides hope to the world. You know what that means? Every time, me, you, us, every time we are generous in Jesus' name, and every time we are generous to help someone in need, don't miss this, Jesus is literally using us to be the mechanism of their miracle. And if you've ever been on the receiving side of generosity, you know it feels like a miracle. You didn't know what was gonna happen. You prayed, you needed hope, and then out of the blue, you were provided for. See, generosity is God inviting us to be on the front side of that miracle. To be his hands and his feet. Now, why should that interest us? Why should that be a thing those of us that call ourselves Christians should do? Why should that be a thing that those of us who are investigating God should want to be a part of? It's what we've been talking about this entire series. It's because we know that beliefs change us. We believe that Jesus calls us to be generous because it helps us and it protects us. And it's also because we understand that behaviors, that's what changes the world. And so as we come to this moment where we as a church get to be generous, my prayer is that we simply follow Jesus' command that we choose to invest in the things of heaven. And that we give in a way that we trust our Heavenly Father to continue to provide for our generosity. I pray that we give generously so that our God can move mightily. And before we do, we wanted to highlight one more of our partners, Youth with a Mission. They are doing a great work in Myrtle Beach and around the world. And your generosity is making it possible. So check this out. Hey, Wellspring. I'm Chris, and this is my wife, Lisette. And we have been attending here for about a year with our four kids. And something that we really have appreciated is the emphasis placed each week on taking a next step. For us, it was a series of next steps that even led us here to Myrtle Beach and connected us with this amazing ministry that we're gonna tell you about today. Youth with a Mission, YWAM for short, is an organization that started 60 years ago after the founder had a vision of waves of young people that would be going out from all nations to all nations with the hope of the gospel. We recognize that young people are in a unique season of life where they can easily be trained and mobilized to go across the globe, and so that is what we do and our base here in Myrtle Beach has the unique focus of training youth to go to the parts of the world that are known as the tough places. And so some of these countries being in the Middle East and Northern India, 
we are equipping them with the necessary tools to be effective disciple makers. These are currently areas that have the greatest need, yet few are actually willing to go. But beyond all that we're doing internationally, YWAM has a huge value of serving within the local community and loves partnering with local churches and ministries to really see a greater impact. So each year in Myrtle Beach, they receive several thousand international students who come to work in the tourism industry. This year alone, there were students from 40 plus nations here on our doorstep. How cool is it that the nations are actually coming to us and from many places where Jesus isn't known or isn't even accessible. But unfortunately, among these students, there's far too many cases of exploitation, solicitation, and a host of other injustices that they're experiencing right here in our community. So it's because of that that we are heavily invested in engaging and really advocating for these students to give them a covering and a support network while they're here. And this really opens up so many unique opportunities to not only serve them, but to show them Jesus in the process. Another effort that is near to our team's heart is the Unity Project. This is an after-school program that we offer every week in the Booker T. Washington community. And this local community is filled with families that just need love and support. And so one way in which we come alongside them is that we show up week after week, year after year, and we've taken the time to know their names and their unique situations and just find practical ways to serve them. We want to see the cycles that have kept them from their God-given identities broken. And so we do, yeah, in just a simple way, we show up and we play games with the children and do crafts and just get to know them a little bit. And through this, we get to speak the love and hope of Jesus in this community. In both of these amazing local touch points, Wellspring has been so quick to come alongside us. Last year, you all helped to sew into our capital campaign for a new base house, which was gonna be essential to our ministry. And already this summer, that house was filled with international students that were beneficiaries of that. And even right now, it is filled with ministry school students who are being equipped to be sent out to India at the start of the year, which is amazing. But also, at the beginning of the year, you all helped us to purchase a trailer for the Unity Project. Given the pop-up nature of this outreach, we're having to go out there and to set up and tear down each week. But having this trailer, it's already been such a blessing and a real game changer for us. And so we want to end by thanking each of you for your part in this, the way that you have generously sewn into this Love MB effort. It's with organizations like ours that are serving in so many different capacities and on the front lines that this is making a significant difference. We get to see how God is moving, not just locally, but also internationally. And so may God be leading you in your next step to take as we all try to rally together to make this year's Love MB be the best it can be. So God bless.